and welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint on the BMG Network. Well, they're bracing for a big storm in Florida. This Hurricane Idalia, I guess it is. Uh, Fort Myers Beach flooded again, up to 12 feet of water on the shore. The Navy is evacuating ships and aircraft. And I, I read one report today saying the Gulf Coast water temperatures have surged to their highest level ever. So, you know, the uh, climate alarmists are going to blame uh, climate change for the storm. But we're in the hurricane season. It's nothing new. You know, I know the headlines are saying it's a once-in-a-lifetime event. And uh, maybe it will be. Who knows? But it's it's uh, it's that time of year. The end of August, early September is hurricane season. So we just have to, uh, folks in Florida, batten down the hatches. I want to get to the uh, debate, last week's GOP debate, in a couple of minutes. I want to... Just touch on uh, this this COVID variant that's out there. I'm reading all kinds of headlines and stories that's saying we could be facing mask mandates and uh, lockdowns and possible vaccine mandates. It's like it's not going to happen. I-, I can't speak for anybody else, but it's not going to happen in the Flint household. I will never, ever wear one of those ridiculous masks again. They don't do any good. If they did good, I'd wear them. It should be a choice. If you want to mask up, if you feel safer, as some of these idiot liberals do, I see them in, at, at the Capitol in Albany. They're outside, riding bikes, walking, doing their thing, and they got masks on. If they feel safer, power to them. But I'm not going to be forced into wearing a mask, as we were last time. Now we're facing another election. Another presidential election is on the horizon. And don't think for a second that that's not what this is all about, because it is, in my view. It's COVID-2-0. Now, I think the COVID hysteria the last time helped tip the scales in favor of Joe Biden. That and some election fraud and a few other things. But these new variants are out there. I don't know much about them. One is BA 2.86, the other EG.5. I'm reading a piece here in WorldNet Daily. And these activists on the left are scared to death about it, as most liberals are. They're frightened about everything. And I've written a column about that. And it's up on the bmgnetwork.com, by the way. It's called... uh, the uh, the people driving the culture wars here in America. You can click on the PAC perspective and, and read it. But these new variants, I mean, how dangerous could they be? Every time the virus splits, and that's what viruses do, they split. And each time they split, they become less dangerous. That's the case here. It's not going to happen again. I'm looking at a couple of quotes here. Mike Lee, Republican senator from Utah, tweeted out a message last week, COVID does not equal constitutional authority. Another tweet by Ryan Cunningham, the WHO, the World Health Organization, CDC, Biden administration are fear-mongering a new COVID variant uh, after a highly mutated strain reported in Michigan. You know, it's it's a coordinated government and media campaign to scare the American people again. And this, all these headlines, uh, these all these ominous sounding headlines from the, uh, the usual suspects, CBS News, NBC, The Guardian, CNBC, uh, ABC News, Reuters, The Washington Compost, as Mark Levin calls it, and The New York Post. And I like The New York Post. But here's a headline in the uh, left wing British newspaper, The Guardian. New COVID variant causing concern among scientists detected in London. Were the scientists were detected or the variant? It's kind of a misleading headline. There's no strong evidence to support mask mandates to prevent the spread. It it didn't prevent the spread the first time. Neither did the vaccines are being boosted or doubly or triply boosted. And it's not going to work this time. We went down that road. It ain't happening again. 
I can't, like I said, I can't speak for anybody else. They can talk about lockdowns, and there's a quote or two here from Fauci. I thought he was retired. These people never leave, these federal bureaucrats. Guy's been in the federal government since 1983, I think. <clears throat> He's been an abysmal failure. But he did a some kind of a back and forth at Wayne State University. It was an event titled Pandemic Lessons and Role of Faculty in Pandemic Preparedness with Dr. Anthony Fauci, former director of the NIH. Okay. And they have a couple of quotes here. I'm not going to take these quotes out of context, but he said, you have to have something to immediately shut down the tsunami of infection, adding that lockdown was absolutely justified the first time. And he said, lockdown has a purpose. One of the purposes, if you don't have a vaccine, is to get more ventilators, get the hospitals better prepared until you decompress the pressure on the hospitals. The hospitals were never under that kind of pressure. Then he said, if you have a vaccine available, you might want to lock down temporarily so you can get everybody vaccinated. Well, it didn't work the first time, and I hope they don't try it again because there's going to be some trouble. Now, you had Biden last week suggesting a mandate. He's going to mandate a COVID booster for all Americans beginning in the fall. Well, he can mandate anything he wants. It doesn't mean we have to comply. And I think each one of us, I'm not going to advise you not to comply with a law, but it's not a law. If it's a law, that's another matter. It's a suggestion. I'll read you a piece here from World Net Daily. The administration has plans to roll out a new COVID-19 vaccine requiring Americans to get another jab. Now, last year he said COVID is no longer a threat, but now he says his administration will likely recommend that all Americans receive the updated booster, including children who have little to no risk of severe illness or death. So why force children to get a vaccine? My children, my youngest two are not going to get the vaccine. If I decide and my wife and I decide they, they're going to get it, then they'll get it. But it's up to us. We make the decision. The government's not going to make the decision for us this time. Over the weekend, last weekend, the president told reporters he plans to ask Congress for additional funds to develop a new vaccine, adding that he may force, is a word this writer used, everyone to take it whether they previously received the initial vaccine. Then he said he can when asked by a reporter. Yes, I can mandate it. I signed off this morning on a proposal we have to present to Congress a request for additional funding for a new vaccine that is necessary, that works. Well, the other ones didn't work, did they? The new vaccines, as if you need to be told this, developed by Pfizer, Moderna, and Novavax. And they've been redesigned to target the dominant XBB variants that have magically popped up right before the election, 15 months before the election. How convenient. Pope Francis man of the left, as we've talked about a, a few times here on this program, has, he's lamented what he's called a reactionary Catholic church in the U.S., where he said political ideology has replaced faith in some cases. He's one to talk. Political ideology? He's a political leftist. He's been in office in the, in the position for 10 years. And, you know, I, you know, I'm no longer Catholic. I was raised Catholic. But a lot of conservative sectors of the church are opposed to some of these reforms that were, well, to go back to the Vatican II in the early 60s, it giving women and lay Catholics more roles and making the church more welcoming and less judgmental toward others like the LGBTQ community. And, uh, you know, it's and, and we're supposed to love the sinner and hate the sin. 
as Christians. Now, you know, being Christians, we're supposed to be welcoming to everyone. It is God's church. But this pope, you know, we know at the DOJ and the FBI how they look upon conservative Catholics, Catholics who maybe favor the Latin mass. They're looked upon as enemies of the state. Those who want to follow the, the, the church's traditional teachings regarding life, faith, and morals, let's say, that, that there are two genders, that all human life is sacred, that's what I believe, especially innocent human life. But the Department of Justice under this junta or regime characterizes Catholics who prefer the Latin mass and who are opposed to some of the changes ushered in by Vatican II as being public enemy number one or a threat to our democracy, etc. You know, I mean, this Pope is into climate change and he's talking about ideology replacing faith, membership in a sector of the church replacing membership in the church. Nobody says that if you believe in conservative uh, teachings and traditional Catholic teachings that somehow you're a, a threat to the church or to the state. I mean, that's ridiculous. Then, he, then of course, he invokes uh, the uh, example of slavery. Some pontiffs centuries ago were tolerant of slavery, but the church evolved. Yes, the church evolves. And I believe the Catholic Church is, is God's church. It's the head of the Christian church. And after all these many centuries, 20 centuries, she still stands. Anyway, I don't want to end up getting sidetracked here, but Pope Francis coming out and basically, uh, he made his comments earlier in the month, the private meeting in Lisbon with members of the Jesuit order, of which he is a member, during his trip for World Youth Day. You know, I wish the Pope well. He's, he's had some health issues. Uh, he is the church, the leader of the uh, of the Catholic Church, and uh, Catholics, you know, must follow his his lead. Anyway, uh, the debate the other night, I didn't see the debate. I've seen some of the uh, clips from it, and you know, I don't think there were any big losers. I don't think Chris Christie did himself any any uh, favors. Uh, Ra- Ramaswamy, Vivek Ramaswamy, is impressive. He's thirty eight years old, a self made billionaire, and it seems to me, as from what the clips I've seen, that they were all gunning for Ramaswamy, for obvious reasons. They fear him. He's very articulate, a very bright young guy. And I think he's trying to position himself to be Trump's vice president. I could be wrong. He's talking about getting rid of the Department of Education and the Department of this, that, and other department. He can't do it. I mean, it would take an act of Congress to get rid of the Department of Education. I mean, Ronald Reagan tried it in 1982, his first term. Jimmy Carter, uh, created the Department of Education, and Reagan tried to, you know, dismantle it, and uh, he was defeated in the Senate by Republicans. So it would take an act of Congress. I hear Ramaswamy saying he's going to do away with this federal agency and that federal agency. It's a good talking point, and maybe if he get, ever gets elected, hopefully he does it. But it's not going to happen overnight. But Ramaswamy did well. Uh, Nikki Haley did well. She, uh, she and Ramaswamy went at it about his lack of creds when it comes to foreign policy. I mean, she's a former UN ambassador. She is uh, strongest in foreign policy, and she showed that, I think, from what I saw. Mike Pence, I mean, he did okay, but Pence is like, he's like uh, watching sap drip from a tree. I used to like Mike Pence, but I think he was uh, exposed by Tucker Carlson in that interview Carlson did about a month ago. I don't think he has any chance. He's at 1%. Uh, uh, Ron DeSantis is the number two guy behind Trump, well behind Trump. He did well from what I saw. DeSantis is a sharp young guy. He's not a great debater. That's the the rap on him, but he did well. He didn't hurt himself. And I think uh, Ramaswamy, though, is uh, he was the lightning rod. They were all kind of gunning for him. 
and I think with good reason. He is somebody to be watched. And uh, I think if Trump gets a nomination, a lot of people are saying Trump's not going to get it. I, you know, Ann Coulter wrote a piece this week or last week. She doesn't think he'll be the nominee. He Maybe he won't be. I mean, it's a long way off. And I, I couldn't really sit down for an hour, an hour and a half and watch a debate in August because a lot can happen. One Republican, though, I, I would never vote for unless he gets a nomination, of course, is Chris Christie. Just his anti-Trump sentiments of late. And I think he's just, you know, I used to like him. He came off as this tough debater and he was not afraid to take it on the teachers unions. And I think that's his his stock and trade. I think he's a little bit out of his element. And uh, there are just too many of these guys. I think as the, the months, weeks and months wear on, I think you'll see the uh, the field start to narrow a bit. And I think I hope Trump gets back into the uh, into the debate schedule. I hope he's in the second debate whenever that is. And some people are saying he won by not being in the first debate because it was all about Donald Trump. And uh, he decided not to go. And I think that's unfortunate. He, instead, he did an interview with the Tucker Carlson, which I, I've seen a little bit of that too. And Carlson asked him right off, why aren't you at, that, at the GOP debate? Who on that stage should not be running? And, you know, he asked him pretty, some pretty pointed questions. Uh, he asked if, if Epstein killed himself and uh, <laughs> Trump wouldn't bite on that. He said, well, well, there's been no investigation. And then Carlson asked him, do you think they will try and kill you? And it's really not that outlandish of a question. Trump has got to be concerned about his own safety. Now, he's, he's facing how many counts? 18 more, I think 41 counts in, in total. 700 years in prison if convicted on all counts. And I saw one headline saying he's eligible for the death penalty on one of those counts if he's tr- tried and convicted of treason. I mean, it's insane. They want him out of the race. It was a good interview, Tucker and Trump. I don't know if it, it I'm sure it took some audience away from the uh, from the GOP debates. Anyway, we, we face a lot of problems in this country, obviously. We, we face uh, an enemy that's trying to kill us. I'm talking about the devil. We're in a... Uh, a spiritual battle for the nation's soul. And we know who controls this this world as we know it. We know it's not God. He's given over the, the world to the devil. And I think a lot of Christians need to, to understand that as well. Conservatives believe, and I don't want to get into this at the end of the show because we're running out of time here. Conservatives, I think we believe the root cause of all social problems is humans. We're the cause of it. Sin, bad choices, which we make because we have free will. But the liberals are, they're kind of oriented towards an imaginary future. You know, they're aiming for human perfection. Again, that's in my column I wrote, part of it. They think that man is utterly perfectible, and they're going to use the power of government to that end, to try to perfect man. It's impossible. We are not perfect. Nobody is perfect on this side of heaven. And they talk, these these left-wingers talk about social justice as if there, there could be such a thing. There is no such thing as social justice or arriving at justice the way they want it. But anyway, for whatever reason, I'm losing my voice here. Uh, Thanks very much, folks, for tuning us in. By the way, check out all the fine shows we have for you on the BMG Network. We have this program, the Pac-Man podcast with me, Ted Flint. We have my daughter, Madeline Flint, with her show called The Essentials with Maddie Flint, Adrian Ross with a program up there. Uh, the Age Sage, and a few others. Check it out. Again, the columns, too, under the PAC perspective. And uh, check it all out. Make sure you hit like. If you like this program, hit like, hit share. And please, 
subscribe to this this program. We need subscribers and tell your friends about us on social media too. If you want to contact me directly, it's Pacman, P-A-C-M-A-N at the bmgnetwork.com, all lowercase. If the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune into the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint. <laughs>